On today's episode of Rice, we'll be discussing our deepest, darkest family secrets, plus Bling Empire, Jim Wong Chu, and Marjorie Taylor Greene. What up, what up, worldwide Asians, and welcome to Rice, Asian comedy podcast, where we share the Asian perspective on culture, entertainment, and trending topics. Um... We're recording this episode live on Sunday, January 31st, and if you enjoy our show, please uh, give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. I'm your host, Fong Show, official spokesperson for gay, super cute Asians, and on the panel today, we've got Leonard Chan. Yo. And Veronica Antipolo. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Okay, great. We've got a jam-packed show, so let's get it started with our um, main topic of the week. And this week's main topic is deep, dark family secrets. Uh, what was the biggest family secret uh, you were unaware of until later in life? Let's start with Veronica Antipolo. Oh, I am going to get completely cut off. Luckily, we have no family fortunes. Um, <laughs> I do have one. I can't even. I can't even talk about it yet because it has to do with um, my parents. But um, I have a secret, and I will take it with me to my grave. But I'll give you a hint. <laughs> so, um, my son, his yeah. uh, parentage was. Oh my gosh! I'm going to surprise him with this news. Cover your ears. Do it. Uh, I there was like I wasn't sure who it was. <laughs> yes i had a troubled uh time in my mm. early 20s anyhow one of the candidates um is a very well-known athlete mm. yes i should have actually just lied and said like he was a father yeah anyway. girl get that money like did you go on maury did you go on maury to solve this <laughs> <laughs> i should have i should have I, should, I would have loved to be on that stage and then run off crying. Yeah. Girl, secure but. the bag. You could have become part of the Bling Empire. I, I probably not. <laughs> what sport? Just, Can you say what sport? No, 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 no. no oh, I it's got to be basketball. It's got to be yeah, basketball. <laughs> let's, let's keep it real here. Let's no, keep no. it real. To assume basketball, but probably basketball. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not actually. No, figure skating. I cannot say. I it will take it to my grave unless you pay me the right amount. Then maybe. <laughs> okay, what's the right amount? So until that happens, the right amount. Well, I mean, name your price. Name your price. If you can get me on the Bling Empire, then that's the right amount. There's right a now, four person on the Bling Empire. It seems you can get <laughs> you no, can get on. No, right now I'm just like on the Ding Dong Empire. Like that's mm. where I am right now. There's no. My secret is not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, okay. It, it looked like when I asked this question, Leonard got a puzzled look on his face. I'm going to give him some time to figure out what his deep dark secret is, and I'll what? talk about uh, I'll talk about my family's deep dark secret that I I wasn't aware of it until probably junior high school was that my passport is a lie or part of it is a lie because my passport says that I was born in Vientiane, Laos, but I was actually born in Thailand on the way to the refugee camp. And they had to lie about this on my official documents. And I'm, I'm assuming I can't get deported now because I'm officially a Canadian citizen. <laughs> but do they revoke it if you're a citizen based on a lie? I don't know. I don't care. I hope nobody's watching this. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what you want to hear from the guy who runs the podcast. I hope nobody's watching. By nobody, I mean white people. Um, I'm sure the, the agents and government would have my back. Um, but yeah, so they had to lie about where I was born because if you're born in Thailand, then you can't go to a Thai refugee camp because you would be a Thai citizen. So um, they would have had to split me up with the rest of my family. And so that's probably, you know, the deepest target secret I, I i suppose um and uh leonard what about what about you um <laughs> was, was there anything your parents kept from you 
You know, it doesn't have to be like a deep, dirty secret. Like just something. Was there something yeah, that, that surprised part, you? Just family secrets and shit. But I was like, I can't say that stuff on the air. Are you nuts? Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of the interesting things about my family is that we didn't find out how many wives our my grandfather had until the funeral. Oh shit! That's scandalous. So, we're at the funeral, and then all this, you know, the minister is like, "Well, the wife, wives, please stand up." And all these women started getting up, and we're looking at them like, "What the fuck? Who the f- who are all these people?" <laughs> How many, Leonard? How many? Six. Mm. I think. Six. Okay, so Six. higher than the options that I had for my son's dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by by one. <laughs> well, it's like double, maybe. Mm. <laughs> That must have been a real fun night for you. Yeah, mm. Well, it was like within a span of like two weeks, I think. <laughs> Wait, but I have to say this. It was separated by a vacation. So technically, mm. it's like different times. Okay, so <laughs> so speaking about Veronica and your Mamma Mia lifestyle, <laughs> how did... Like, how did how did you find out? And do you actually, to this day, no. know? Like, have you? I do. I do. No, I do know. I because I went and got like a pater- like I literally got a, a paternity test. So I. Mm. It's funny because I think in my young mind I was like, well, I think you can get one free on Maureen. <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah, I had to. I had to pay. Like we had to. Um, we had to spit. Mm. And then we had to like do some kind of weird swab or something. I can't remember. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like twenty three and me, right? You could have done it for you know. I know, I know. <laughs> I could, or I could have just waited because honestly, I probably would have been in a way off better situation the other way. Yeah, could be like, let's see if he's really good at hockey. No, I'm not even <laughs> gonna reveal. I'm not even Bowling. gonna blink. <laughs> I'm a better liar than you think. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's basketball. I don't I don't care all the denials. I'm not I'm not believing none of this. Scarborough girl. There's only one sport, one sport in Scarborough, and that is yeah. basketball. None I of this. Was it? Did Pop sow his wild oats on you? <laughs> did what? Did Pop sow his wild oats? <laughs> mm. I, I'm telling mm, you, I'm not mm. revealing. It will be with me to my grave. That's a that's an NBA basketball player joke for those who don't know. Pop so. No, exactly. I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> he used to play for the Raptors. A guy named Pop so, no. who I know somebody who dated him as well. So. That's... Oh, okay. No, not him. Mm. Not him. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for being so open. Both those secrets were actually <laughs> quite salacious, um, and the reason why we chose that as our topic of the week is because. Um, our f- our first trending topic of the week is a is about Jim Wong Chu, who is a Canadian poet, and he was known as one of the paper sons um, who came over from Hong Kong. There were eleven thousand of these uh, people who came over um, from Hong Kong, and I'm just going to look at my notes. I don't want to get this wrong. But he was raised by his aunt and uncle, but he was told his whole life until later on in life that he was their son. Um, and they did this to get around the um, the Chinese Exclusion Act. And so there's like 11,000 of these people who, you know, I feel like a lot of them probably still don't know that their aunt and uncle aren't like their real parents. So, you know, I sort of thought it'd be fun for us to sort of take a look at what our deepest, darkest secrets are. But um, more about Jim Wong Chu. The reason why Jim Wong Chu is in the news is because um, he's been honored with a Google Doodle. And it, and well, what a Google Doodle is, if, if, you're, um, if you're watching us on video, then We'll actually see a, a graphic of his Google Doodle. Um, it, and and if, if 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 you're listening, then you'll you'll have to like Google his Doodle. Um, and it'll come, <laughs> That's and, so dirty. <laughs> oh, yeah, Google his Doodle. Um, and yeah. and it, it'll it'll come up. So what Google does sometimes or is, Bing it. You can Bing it if you'd like. <laughs> bing his Doodle. Whatever. Whatever you want. His Doodle. You can ask Jeeves about his Doodle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> this is so wrong. This is so wrong. He's he's a pioneer. So Google commemorates um, certain people or certain events by changing their Google logo on the search um, their search engine to to reflect a momentous occasion. And they decided to do one for Jim Wong Chu. At which point, it was like. Who the hell is Jim Wong Chu? So I had to, you know, uh, let's let's call this segment um, yeah, "Sorry, Jim Wong Chu," that I didn't know who the hell you were until this week. But you're a real you're hero lucky because uh, Vong has a habit of shitting on poets. On the <laughs> so that's right. This that's is refreshing. Right. Where we're we're honoring the man. Yes. Hey, as as long as he doesn't read his poetry out loud while hula dancing, I think uh, I, you know, and him being Asian doesn't hurt either. Um, but okay, so <laughs> so just a bit of information about um, Jim Wong Chu, which I only found out this week, but I wish I'd known about him earlier because he seems to be somebody I could really look up to. He was a literary pioneer and activist a historian and you know he dedicated his life to amplifying narratives of the Asian Canadian community which is literally the whole mission statement of rice so i was like holy shit this dude, like people like, clearly were not the first and this dude has been doing it he published four anthologies um of of uh, of literature from Asian Canadians um, he was awarded the Queen Elizabeth II uh, Diamond Jubilee Medal. And uh, if if you want to take part in his legacy, he actually founded the Asian Canadian Writers Workshop. And their newsletter, which is called Rice Paper, is still ongoing. It's a weekly newsletter you can subscribe to. And yeah, so I, I just wanted to, 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 to bring him up and, you know, he, it got me curious because um, he, he basically said when he found out that his parents weren't actually his parents, like it completely melted his brain and changed his life. And he, you know, went on a, a journey of self-discovery that really shaped his life. And he then dedicated his life to, um, to amplifying Asian voices. And so, you know, I just want to give him a shout out. Well, if we're going to shit on poets, today's my turn. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I looked him up and I only found one poem. And I'm just going to say, okay, yes, the topic, it's called equal opportunity. Yes, the topic is very serious. And, you know, it's it talks about the Asian experience or the Chinese, very specifically, the Chinese experience with the railroads. I will say this about this piece of poetry is it's a two sentences that he literally just chopped up so that it looked like prose. I'm going to say that about his poetry. So although he did not speak it and do a whole dance, <laughs> I will say it just sounds like two sentences and it was arranged nicely on a page. Well, so. <laughs> that's, that's, wait, if, if, if it's such a short uh, poem, can, can you read it out? Sure. Um, equal opportunity. In early Canada, when railways were highways, each stop brought new opportunities. There was a role. The Chinese could only ride the last two cars, cars, cards of trains. That is, until a train derailed, killing all those in front. In parentheses, the Chinese erected an altar and thanked Buddha. A new rule was made. The Chinese must ride in the front two cars of the trains. That is, until another accident claimed everyone in the back. The Chinese erected an altar and thanked Buddha. After much... Debates. Common sense prevailed. The Chinese are allowed to sit anywhere on a train. I do not like green eggs and ham. Sam, I am. <laughs> I don't get I Okay, just so our listeners who didn't listen to last episode understand, this is Veronica getting revenge for last week because I didn't like Amanda Gorman's hula dancing while she was giving that awful poem at the inauguration. But I didn't think you'd take it so far as to attack another Asian. Uh, 
an iconic Asian whom I <laughs> learned of this week, but I should have learned of much earlier. I have nothing to lose putting down this poem because I will never have a doodle. No, nor will I ever be on Bling Empire. So I was like, <laughs> might as well. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, thank you, <laughs> thank you for uh, for for reading out his, his his poem. Listen, you're already better than that Amanda Gorman girl because you didn't <laughs> distract me with weird hand gestures everywhere. <laughs> you know what? If I want any kind of art about Chinese railroads, I would prefer it come from a DJ because they know how to lay down tracks. Oh. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, later on in the show, we're talking about Bling Empire, and there is an Asian DJ. I'm not sure if if she's Chinese or Vietnamese, I I forget, but um, she's definitely Asian. (laughs) Vietnamese, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, Okay, uh, going on to our next topic. Oh, and just before we get to our next topic, I I, I do want to say for real, though, if you haven't heard of him, please look up Jim Jim Wong Chu. He's really done a whole lot for the Asian community. And uh, and yeah, definitely worth checking out his anthologies. So our our next um, hot topic and this segment is a recurring segment and it's a segment i like to call this hoe getting on my last nerve and this week's bitch ass hoe is of course marjorie taylor green okay this she's a u.s representative um in in the house of representatives for georgia she's known as the QAnon um republican I don't know how she got into the house. She is. Although she she had, she's up against a neurosurgeon in the primary. So I don't know how that happened. I think she's just like supported Trump and that was enough for like those people. They didn't really look into like more of the details. It's like neurosurgeon or crazy lady. Hmm. Oh my God. This is the disrespect to neurosurgery. <laughs> this is. Yeah. I, I, it's really like it's such an opposite it's like a guy who fixes brains and a woman with no brains <laughs> oh my god so okay so this marjorie taylor green she believes in all these wacky QAnon theories um you know she 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 like you know, on video, she ran up and verbally attacked uh, one of the Parkland survivors, basically taunting him about his dead friends and saying the whole thing was fake. She she thinks uh, there's a Jewish space missile that caused the laser. California wildfires. Space laser. Get the craziness right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Space laser. Um, man, I swear these people, these I'm just going to say, these Christians blame Jewish people for everything. I swear to God. Like, holy cow. This is, like, out of control. Um, and, you know, I, I really believe in what Nancy Pelosi said this week, which it was, the enemy is in the house. And it's totally true. How can Nancy Pelosi and these other Democrats do their job when you have these nut jobs being elected? They're trying to pass metal detectors, come into a, you know, a, a sacred place. I don't know if you're going to shoot my ass. I don't know what's wrong with you. You just Looney Tunes. Uh, but I will say one one thing I'm really upset with the media is how they're covering her because the one quote that they keep focusing on like CNN and all these other places is that um, Marjorie Taylor Greene liked a Facebook post that said that, you know, Nancy Pelosi should be executed or, or something. It, it was something around, you know, we should uh, vote her out. And then somebody said, you know, a, a, a bullet would be faster. And wow. she, um, she liked the post. And so and so all the news media has been picking this up, saying that, you know, she's for executing Nancy Pelosi, which is fine. But one thing, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this, and this is where I feel like news coverage is so damn lazy, is like, this bitch is so crazy. You have video on her. You have her actually saying things that are batshit crazy. I want to hear about that. Let's not sensationalize a crazy post that she liked. Like, 
Forget what she likes. Honestly, half the time people scroll through this shit, they don't even know what they like. Like, she's so batshit crazy. Cover her batshit craziness. I don't care what the fuck she liked, people. She, the funny thing is, she actually has quotes that are kind of akin to that of like, you know, being pro, like you know, murdering fellow, uh, fellow House of Representatives people. But instead of quoting that, they're like, "Oh, she liked this person's post." Like, uh, really, CNN? Like, no, you you need to be better. Like Melania said, be better. <laughs> Melania, yeah, yeah. She I just put that, out a, yeah. she just put out a tweet a few hours ago to uh, say that. The fake news media are trying to take her down and to sign her petition. So, <laughs> you're for that. Go on Twitter. Get on that. I mean, it's crazy. I, yeah, I don't know how the Democrats are going to do their job. Like, imagine going into an office and then your colleagues, like, invite other people in to, like, shit on your floors and threaten to kill you and they won't wear a mask or in a pandemic. And then you're like, yeah, I don't want to work with you. And they're like, why are you being so divisive? I thought you wanted unity. It's like, what the... Okay. <laughs> what? No, like, I'm literally weary for my life because of you. Like, I feel like... It's, yeah, like, it's hard to meet halfway when, like, what they want is your death. <laughs> like, how about, like, oh, I'll just be half dead? Is that what you want? Is that going to be, like, the compromise? It's nuts. Also, like, the Jewish space lasers thing, like... People laugh about it, they make jokes about it, but, like, it's so much more serious than it is, right? Because, like, you look at it, it's like racist jokes, right? You say a racist joke, and you're like, it's a joke, I'm not really racist. But then at some point, you keep saying it, people laughing, and it's like, what's the sentiment behind it, right? And it's still, like, at the end of the day, it's still, like, an anti-Semitic sentiment. And, yeah, like, it's dressed up with a fucking space laser, but, like, it's dang- It's like a lot more dangerous than I think people are giving it credit for. So I feel... You know, like people really should be uh, more concerned than they are. Yeah. Uh, that. I'm going to say something that's going to get me into trouble, but I've decided to finally take this stance after years and years of being hunted down uh, by crazy Christian people. So (laughs) people talk a lot about white supremacy. I'm going to talk about Christian supremacy because this crazy hoe is a Christian supremacist. And most of those people who were, um, who were, those insurrectionists were also Christian. And I feel like just saying it's white nationalism isn't really getting to the heart of it because there there weren't a lot of Jewish people like marching down the insurrection. Like for me, Christianity... And listen, people are going to get mad at me, but as a gay man who's been attacked by Christians my whole life, I just don't even care anymore. Like I'm just taking a stand here. And for me, like QAnon and Donald Trump... Like, they they were able to walk through the door that Christianity opened by basically teaching people, have a little faith. Don't question yeah. things. Just believe us. Just have faith. Don't believe question me. shit. He saying believe me, right? That's his catchphrase. Yeah. yeah. And, like, religion is not what it's supposed to be. Religion was, no. like, government. So, I mean... Are we surprised? And also, too, these Christian ladies that they have, why do they always have three names? Marjorie Taylor Greene. What was the, um, what was her name? Sasha Baron. No, that's Sasha. <laughs> Amy. <laughs> Amy Cohen. I mean, like every, every presidential assassin has three names, too. What is that? Is that like a, like, a prerequisite? Well, John like, Wilkes Booth. Yeah. There's, uh... Hmm. Hmm. Lee Harvey Oswald. I kept saying I, yeah, Oswald. Yeah. I was like, that's not right. Yeah. You don't need much to get in, apparently. John Wayne Gacy. Yep. Yeah, but like, so these Americans, I don't know what's going on. They gave her a cushy uh, um, um, committee position oh, yeah. on education like the education. Committee. You said the Sandy Hook was a false flag and they put her in the education committee. I was like, could you have picked... A shittier spot to put her, like a more middle finger to like, it's just, yeah. God damn. Oh, well, you know, she's definitely trending this week. I don't know how long lived her fame is going to be. She's probably trying to grab that Trump mantle that everybody's trying to grab so they can run for president next. I don't know. She's just cuckoo enough 
to to pull it off but i don't feel like this will be the last we hear of her she like physically attacked cory bush who is a who is also a a new uh u.s representative they had so cory bush like changed offices because she's like i can't be next to this crazy woman (laughs) and instead of apologizing this crazy ass hoe posted a video of her attacking cory bush like oh my god like she wasn't even uh, anyway anyway i i don't even know what to say these no 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 this whole getting on my last nerve that's what i gotta say that is what i gotta say (laughs) okay now on to uh a totally different topic but hopefully just as juicy is uh tom brady is back in the super bowl and now I've got an odd relationship with Tom Brady because I was a Patriots fan, but mainly because of Randy Moss. I literally never watched football in my life. And then Randy Moss came out of nowhere. He just showed up on the highlights. Every time I would try to watch um, SportsCenter to watch my basketball highlights, they would show me Randy Moss doing some crazy shit. And by force of nature, he forced me to watch football because he was just so amazing. And then when Randy Moss went to the Patriots and I started following them. Now, after Randy Moss left, I still followed the team. I, you know, a bit of a bandwagon. They're so successful, whatever. But then the Tom Brady thing started to get a little bit shady because he didn't, um, after winning the Super Bowl, one of his six times or whatever, he didn't go um, to meet with Barack Obama Um and he never said why, but a lot of people thought it's because he's a Republican. And then rumor has it was when he won the Super Bowl again, he was going to go see Donald Trump until his wife, Giselle Bunchen said, oh, no, you isn't, bitch. <laughs> like, no, no, you are not going to drag us into all of his drama by choosing sides between Obama and Trump. So thank you, Giselle Bunchen. Um, and... Now, now on the bright side, Tom Brady's kind of winning me back this week because, okay, so he's back in the Super Bowl. I think it's something crazy like his 10th Super Bowl. But the best part of the Super Bowl is it's not with the New England Patriots, whom I've sworn off, not just because of the Tom Brady thing, but because their coach, Bill Belichick, wrote like this love letter to Donald Trump that Donald Trump read out loud one day saying, look, Bill Belichick loves my ass. So I just can't even support that team. But anyway, Tom Brady leaves the Tampa Bay. I mean, no, he left the New England Patriots to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's his first year with the new team. But the drama is... That, you know, they have this 11-year dynasty together, won, you know, six Super Bowls, um, won, you know, 11 years in a row, AFC East champions. Um, But then a jealousy struck and they, you know, so Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, the coach, they were sort of fighting over credit. So Bill Belichick, you know, drafted the next quote-unquote Tom Brady to sort of replace him, which angered Tom Brady. Um, He was trying to push Tom Brady out. You know, uh, Tom Brady won that power struggle by forcing the team to trade his replacement, but then he leaves anyway because Bridges had already burned. Anyway, it's a lot of drama, but the reason why I'm back on Tom Brady's side is because he now went to another team and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in his first year are now back in the Super Bowl for the first time in 20 years. And the Patriots for the first time in 11 years are not even in the playoffs. And, you know, for for me, this is just like a big middle finger to Bill Belichick. Like, okay, bitch, you wanted to prove that you were the reason for the success? Uh, I think... We have seen who deserves success for those 11 years. And so my question to the panel is, you know, the the title of this topic is, you know, is success the best revenge? But my question to the panelists is, like, would you be above it all or would you want to rub it in the face of your ex? Uh, 
or of somebody who didn't believe you could do it or somebody who wanted to take your credit. Have you ever been in that situation where you just succeeded without them and you just, would you take the high road or would you be like, yo, bitch, that's what's up. Depends who it is. Depends who it is. Like for Um, me, oh no, go on. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, like for me, it's like if somebody is like negative in that regards where they're like, I'm going to make it or whatever, whatever, like, I'm like, I just cut them out of my life and I don't give them any more energy, like none. So I don't really care. Like if I'm successful, I'm not thinking about them. I wouldn't have been thinking about them for quite some time. Mm, That is so evolved. (laughs) I think, I I think, and I, I, I appreciate that. That's definitely a more like adult way i think in the past episodes i feel like um both leonard and veronica have witnessed that i more lean into the hatred a little bit (laughs) i kind of bathe in the revenge (laughs) i mean i'm not i'm not um i'm not immune to a little revenge like don't get me wrong like i said it depends who it is if it's someone who's just been talking a lot of crap then (laughs) I mean, lightly sprinkled revenge. Not too much. Like, I, I believe in karma, so just enough. Like, just so I'm, like, towing that that line. <laughs> yeah. You, the big thing for me is I would be sneakier about it. Like, for me, success is the best revenge. But it's like, I wouldn't be above rubbing it in their face. But I wouldn't publicly say it. Because if you have to say it, then it's... It takes away the power of how much you're rubbing it in their face. Like, there's other ways to make them feel bad. First of all, just, just <laughs> like, there's other ways. there are, there's lots of ways. But I feel like once you have to say it, it just, it takes it away. You know exactly. what I mean? It's heavy, right? And it's like, were you even, like, what were you doing this for? You know, like, you, you, you I'm not being successful for revenge. I'm doing it because... I'm trying to do it. I wouldn't say I've done it, but I'm doing it because it's what I want to do. Mm. <laughs> you know? Oh, you mean revenge, um, Leonard? No, not revenge. I don't give a shit about revenge. Like, no. I, it's such a waste of time and energy. Yeah. Like, I, I don't have, I'm an old man. I don't have <laughs> time and energy to waste. But it's not, it's not about the time and energy. It's about the fun. It, it, is, <laughs> it is kind of fun to get revenge. The fun. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, it gives me energy. Um, exactly. <laughs> it's just extra motivation. Yeah, like a good vigorous workout, the endorphins running through your body. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm going to be very excited to watch the Super Bowl. I, I have a Super Bowl party every year. It won't be the same. I usually watch Super Bowl with like the the, the gay football league. Um, so it's <laughs> what. <laughs> Uh, what is it called? The it it is actually the the TGFL, the Toronto Gay Football League. Um, oh wow! Yeah, and so actually we are hosting the the Gay Bowl in Toronto next year if the pandemic doesn't cancel it. So you're going to see a whole lot of international gays coming in and playing our version of the Super Bowl, the Gay Bowl. Hmm. But yeah, uh, shout out to all my uh, gay footballers. I do miss you this year, and I will just have to cheer on uh, Tom Brady um, by myself. Well, with my boyfriend, um, but just a much smaller party. Yeah. That whole football story, I heard, like, Charlie Brown's teacher, and then I heard Giselle Bundchen, and I was like, oh, I know her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she's so shady. She's so shady. When when Tom Brady lost one Super Bowl because his receiver Wes Welker dropped a pass, she uh, she tweeted out, uh, "My husband can't pass to himself." <laughs> <laughs> like Whoa. shit. She, she's like, yeah, she's her own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cold, bitch. Yeah. That's cold. I love her. I love her. Um, Okay, now uh, on to our next topic, and it's probably been the biggest story all week. I can't say I totally understand what's going on, but, you know, there's uh, this whole thing with GameStop, uh, Redditors, Wall Street, crying billionaires. Uh, I don't 
I, I don't really know what to say. Uh, what are your thoughts, Leonard? Uh, all right, I'll try to explain it as best I can. And I'm probably going to get a lot of stuff wrong because I don't really understand that much either. But from what I, from what I've gleaned, um, so there was a hedge fund called uh, Melvin Capital, and they were shorting GameStop, which is basically the blockbuster of video games, right? So like. They're actually selling physical copies of games, as you can imagine, not the most robust of business models. So they're, so Melvin Capital is like, we think that this stock is going to go down, so we're going to like short it, which, and I don't know if, how to explain the short. Basically, like you're borrowing shares, selling them at, like, so say the shares are at 20 bucks, and you, say you borrowed 10 shares from somebody else, and then you sell them for 200 bucks, and then you have that money, and then later on, when you when the drops, like, say you buy it back 10 more shares back for like 10 bucks and then you return those 10 shares to whoever you borrowed them from and then you've just made the profit right of 100 bucks i'm gonna say i think mm. that's the math anyways that's what a share uh, a, a short is right so these guys were shorting um gamestop and what they were doing is something called naked shorting so they were actually shorting more stock than even exists it's like 140 percent. so they were over leveraged right so then this guy on reddit named deep fucking value so his name is going to be <laughs> in, the, uh, in the history books. Like, they're going to make a movie out of this shit, for sure. Like, books, movies, it's all going to get... This guy noticed this, and at first, he was like... He was seeing, like, maybe there is actually, like, fundamental values of the GameStop stock. But then I think what happened is, like, it, like, grew into this movement where they're like, oh, if we, like, bump up this price, then we can fucking demolish this hedge fund, right? Because they're, like, a predatory hedge fund. Like, people don't like them anyways, right? They're making money off things going down, which is not, you know... Anyways... So what happened, they kept buying, 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 and now, like, the stock ended up at some point up to 350 bucks, which means, like, so, like, if they shorted it, if they, like, bought, like, borrowed stocks at, like, 20, and they had to return these stocks, but now they got to buy them back at 350, like, they're going to lose, you know, whatever, however much they had, like, multiplied by 330 or whatever it is, right? So then they were trying to, like... So anyways, like they were getting smoked, right? They're in billions of dollars. And everybody was like, yeah, let's poke them, you know, poke the hedge funds in the eye. Uh, so it became like, you know, little guy, retail investors versus like big, bad hedge funds, right? And then, of course, what happened is like, uh, you can't beat rich people. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so, um, you know, there's like, there's a big kerfuffle now because like Robin Hood, like uh, stopped letting people buy stocks but i think it was like they were stopping them from buying on margin which personally makes sense to me like where people buy like they borrow money to buy the stock and it's like well if you can't pay this shit back and like you're you're just we're gonna go with the holding the bag so i feel like there's a sort of a protection thing but here's the here's the big like like citadel which is this other like massive hedge fund like had to bail out melvin capital um and then they lost that two point seven five billion dollars. They lost that too. So, <laughs> but this is the thing, right? Like, because it's like it's so complicated. Like, of course, I'm going to get this wrong. Uh, but like, like what are the like a lot of like the, the retail investment uh, platforms? So like Robinhood, TD Ameritrade, all these people. They were like stopping. You know, they weren't letting people buy anymore, right? And then here's the thing: like, like a company like Robinhood. They don't make their money from like retail. They don't make their money from uh, like trade fees, really. Like they make like the trades are free. Like they make their money by sending the data they get off trades to like huge hedge funds like Citadel. So basically, Citadel gets like trading information. Like if a huge number of buys for a certain stock is coming through, they get that information milliseconds before, and then they can execute a trade before Robinhood executes theirs, and then they make a ton of money for the people who buy after them. Mm. Right. So that so Citadel is part of the group that like lent Robinhood billions of dollars, uh, like so they could close out positions on their shorts. So Citadel is essentially a business partner of Robinhood and they has they have a financial incentive for Melvin to close out their shorts cheaply. And so it's basically it's just the rich were like it, it there's this whole like the rich are like banding together and like changing the rules so that like the poor guys get fucked again and because like they could have just like dro- drove that price to like just way up to the roof and like smashed all i mean the hedge fund is still getting screwed um but yeah it's uh this is like the first time probably in history that like retail investors like banded together to have this much power so it's an interesting it's very interesting basically uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, like I wonder. I wonder if like the SEC or some governing body oh, is going to come it, look like, at it. All, 
it's all, you know, nobody did anything illegal. So, but there might be reforms or whatever. Like, you know, I think, I think hopefully what this means is like, if they see that, like, like one, like the power of the retail investor ha- now has to be respected. Because with like the with Reddit and all these other social networks, like thousands, millions of them can get together and be like, we're gonna fuck you. So which means that like these like guys who like short these stocks, like maybe they have to look at not doing that. Maybe they have to just look at like investing based on value and going long on things. And maybe that's gonna make things valued more accurately. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, it's, it's, I, a I, whole bunch of things happen at this point. Like we don't know how the story's gonna end. Yeah, I, I I'm very against. Uh, even the concept of of shorting stocks and the fact that it's even allowed, like what what's the Especially governing body even for? Yeah, and it's like you know, I I will say I I'm not quite as in tune with with why I have that strong position. I, I used to work for the Financial Post, where I, I actually read a lot of articles every day. So I when I developed this position, like you know, two decades ago, it was actually based on actual learning. <laughs> But now I I know I have this strong position. I don't remember why, and I can't back it up. But I do remember that when um, that once uh, shorting stocks was allowed, it just really rigged the game even more. And I've always been against it. So I'm quite happy these billionaires listen. Whatever billionaires lost five billion dollars over this shit. But you know what? During well, well, like 80, 80 billion dollars so far. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> 80 billion dollars. I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's more than 5 billion. It's it's like at least 70 and up. Mm. Yeah, you but, know what? The, honestly, the most fun part about this is seeing these billionaires go on TV and cry and then seeing uh, Bernie Sanders make fun of them for crying. So it's just this yeah. whole vicious circle. <laughs> Like, literally Google, you know, Google crying billionaire, and it is hilarious. This guy versus Bernie, it's just, it's, it's craziness. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, billionaires made, I, I forget what the, I forget if it's billion or trillion, but it was something like during the pandemic, uh, they made, they got like, um, I, I'm, I'm going to say billion, say, I forget what it was, but they, uh, they made, 49 billion or maybe 49 trillion and the working class people have lost 47 trillion so you're you kind of see like it's not a zero-sum game like these people are their money's not coming out of nowhere it's coming off of people getting screwed so that's what happens especially like anytime there's some sort of disaster because the rich people have the capital to then suck up all the yeah yeah all the all the chaos that happens below that's how it works I mean, yeah. you know. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. I, You know what? This, for me, like, I don't understand much about stocks. The only stock I ever had was, like, in Sirius FM, um, and mm, that's <laughs> which did well, very, by the way. That's, a, that's an interesting choice, but okay. I know. Uh, of all Sirius XM, right? You said FM. So oh, I'm, sorry. I'm XM, not talk. FM. XM. See? This is how much I know. But um, it just, um, for me, I'm like, wow, money is just like this weird fake thing. Then I well, it's fake. The only reason yeah. anybody, like, it's based on nothing. It's based on nothing. Um, it's exactly. based on nothing. It's based on, like, yeah. us having faith in the institutions that say that's they're going right. to it. Like, yeah. there's no money that's actually based on gold anymore, I think, other than maybe in, Le- I think, Lebanon, yeah. I want to say, is one of the only ones left. But, like, other than that, it's, like, this giant ounce of cards. Exactly. Where, like, that's why, like, Bitcoin is worth so much. It's because people say it's worth so much. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, yeah. in that case, going to save Monopoly money. It's the new religion. It's like everybody believes in God, and then it's like now it's that gives God power. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, do they get to keep their money? I hope they get to keep money if they these all these people who... Who gets to keep their money? I mean, probably not. Wait, who? Who gets to keep their money? The, these people who got these stocks and on GameStop or whatever happened. Well, it depends. I mean, they get to, I mean, if they bought it at like 30 and then it like fired up to 300, if they sell, they get to keep uh, the money. But the issue, like, like some people are going to get, like, there's no way people aren't going to get hurt. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because like, there's going to be people who are like left hold, like they bought in like 350 and then they get like, they left holding the bag when the whole thing yeah. collapses, which it's gonna, right. Because GameStop is not worth $350 no. a share. <laughs> No, 
Were uh, they doing very poorly too? Like they're just, doing great. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're still around, but they're not like they're not worth that much. Mm-hmm. And like, and the same thing happened to BlackBerry this week and AMC, which actually, amusingly enough, because of the money that got poured into AMC with like investors trying to, uh, like retail investors trying to like uh, uh, short squeeze. Uh, AMC actually got to cover their debts of six hundred million. So somehow wow. they the movie business, <laughs> or Which at least at is... the theater chain specifically. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, this is definitely an interesting thing. It's sort of like a millennial version of Occupy Wall Street, but with yeah. A, uh, but, you know, hitting them in the actual pocketbook. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, the billionaires have already responded, as Leonard said. They're they're grouping together. Let's see. Well, actually, no, let's not see. We already know the billionaires are going to win this fight. But yeah, let's, <laughs> let's celebrate the battle, even though we know we are going to lose the war. Yeah. <laughs> the only also- sure thing that you should bet on is that the rich are going to stay rich. Exactly, exactly. You know? if, if they, any, they, they might change the rules. There might be SEC. There might be reforms, whatever. They'll figure out a way to game the system. They always do. I know. That's depressing, Leonard. But oh, I will that's say, hard. Just get rich. I see I see in this a story for a feature film. So there oh, no, you go. That's what I said. Like, the big <laughs> yeah. short, too. Exactly, exactly. The bigger short. <laughs> the bigger short, yeah. Well, I'm pretty. This has got to be called Robin Hood. Like it's just, it's just too, it's it's too juicy that the app was Robin Hood and it's <laughs> the poor stealing from the rich, but then it was ironic. Anyway, I I would call it Robin Hood. The rich changing, <laughs> not letting the poor do anything so they could like regroup and and win in the end. That's not a great story. <laughs> <laughs> You know, throw in some crying billionaires in there and it is must-see TV. (laughs) Uh, Okay, coming on to our final hot topic of the week. It is all about Australia. And this segment I'm going to call, These Bitches is Showing Us Up. And I'm calling it that because the Australian Open is opening up um, to... 30,000 attendees, which is 50% capacity. It's going to be the first mass sporting event um, in the world since the COVID pandemic. And these bitches is making the whole world look stupid because they did the shutdown the right way. They have not had a single reported case of COVID in three weeks. And now they're slowly opening up. And even the tennis players... Because, you know, obviously the tennis players might be infected coming in. They held half of the tennis players, including, you know, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, the number one and number two players in the world. They kept them quarantined for over two weeks. They weren't even allowed to play tennis. They had no access to a court because they are taking this shit serious. So, you know, I've got some thoughts about this. Number one... This is going to be a crazy-ass tournament because people are going in with zero practice. Um, So that's going to be crazy. That's never happened before. But also, like, I'm kind of, like, to me, I was like, is this what jealousy feels like? Like, is this what, like, my my brother and sisters felt when I was young and I was overachieving and outshining all their accomplishments? Like, I feel like Australia is outshining the world. And I, for once, maybe know what, like, jealousy feels like. I don't know. How, how, how do you guys feel about this? Do we need to go back to the secrets segment? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. I, I was totally jealous. When I saw people sitting beside each other, there was that one picture, and it was, like, the, the people in the, in the bleachers, whatever. And I, w- I thought, God, when's the last time I've sat shoulder to shoulder with someone? I tried to go to the store today, and the person who was about four feet away from me just turned their back like I had wronged them. <laughs> so, yeah, and I had a mask, too. So, I, I, yeah, I'm jealous. I'm very jealous. <laughs> Yeah, this is, you know, anybody who's listening to the show knows that outside of Christians, my number one most hated enemy are Australians. <laughs> so this is like, I, I can't even believe of all people to get it right, it's the Australians. It's sort of, 
is sort of is blowing my brains right now that they actually shut down and have a functioning country and won't back down to anyone, including famous tennis players who, you know, Novak Djokovic spent like the first week, like he sent like a list of demands to the prime minister who was like, no, <laughs> he was like, bitch, no. Um, and so, you know what? It's, this might be the most intriguing Australian open in years to tell you the truth. I might stay up till 3 a.m. every morning. That's when they play 3 a.m. Eastern standard time in Canada. That's when their matches start. If, if you want to have a look of what is going on in Australia. <laughs> And okay, now we move on to our Asian Film Club review of the week. And this week, instead of reviewing a movie, we're going to review, you know, one of the hottest trending TV series um, on Netflix right now is a Bling Empire. And a Bling Empire, um, hang on, let me just uh, get my notes because I was told in a previous episode that I needed to do a rundown by one of our loyal listeners. Thank you for sending in that tip. Yes, when doing a review, doing a rundown of what you're reviewing is an important <laughs> thing. So thank you for that tip. Um, so uh, Bling Empire... Um, you know, it's uh, it's on Netflix. It's season one. There's, I think, 10 episodes, maybe eight episodes. Anyway, it's a reality TV show. It is the real life Crazy Rich Asians. It's set in Los Angeles. And it follows, you know, the lives of, you know, Christine and Anna and Kevin and Kane and a few other people basically living their luxurious lives. And, you know, I'll, I'll sort of start with my viewpoints and... I'm just going to say it. I can't believe that they managed to do almost the unthinkable, which was, you know, bring me Asians that I don't like. Like, I do not <laughs> like any of these Asians. Like, it's almost impossible. Like, last week, we were talking about, you know, Zaychi Lope, who, like, is an international drug kingpin, and I still found a way to find redeeming qualities in him. But these characters have no redeeming qualities. I hate them all. Let me just run down all the ways I hate them. Okay, Christine Chu. Just so insecure, I can't even take this hoe. Like, okay, get it together. You're rich. You know, later on in the season, you kind of started winning me over because you were talking about how, you know, your in-laws were, you know, treating you bad and whatever. Garnered some sympathy, but not enough sympathy for me to stop hating your ass because you are an insecure psycho bitch. Um, and I hate you. Uh Anna Shea, okay, this, she's like the elder lady, half Russian, you know, I, this, this is one of those bitches that really, really pisses me off because she hides behind this whole, I'm above it all, I'm not materialistic, I don't know why Christine's so materialistic, and she always, she's like, you know that one friend who keep giving life advice, when it's like, we know you a shady asshole, we know you in it for the diamonds, so stop going around telling everybody it's not a material as you oh no 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 okay stop it nobody believes you if it's not material give that money away to a hoe but no you don't because you are material bitch okay and i've seen some of her uh some of her interviews talking about the different incidents that happened i'm like listen I grew up in the ghetto, which I have not mentioned yet this week. <laughs> but I grew up in the ghetto, and I can tell when a bitch is shady. This bitch is shady. No to Anna. Okay, next. Kevin Kreider. Okay, the model who comes in the quote-unquote poor friend. And I was just like, okay, how dumb can this bitch be? He's just like the dumbest character I, I, I don't even know what his purpose is. Well, actually, I do know his purpose. You know what he reminds me? Okay, Asians and, you know, Leonard and Veronica might deny this, but listen, there's a thing with cool Asians, which I'm going to say all three of us are, is you kind of keep around that one ugly friend so that you all oh. feel prettier. I feel like Kevin is like it's how up. rich people keep around one poor friend so they feel richer. 
He's just there to be in awe of how rich they are. And so, okay, no, this bitch is annoying me. And he's a stocky creeper, okay? Like, that girl ain't want you, okay? What's her name? Kelly. Kelly ain't want your ass, okay? Stop it. And I get his desperation because, like, okay, he pretty much knows he only has a few more years of being pretty and then they're going to boot him out and get a new model. So I get it, Kevin. I know you playing the game. You trying to hook your claws into some hoe before they boot you out of the bling empire. But stop being so over the top about it, okay? And I also hate Kevin's parents, the ones who adopted him, the two white people who adopted an Asian baby and thought it was okay to not teach him anything about being Asian. Okay, stop, stop. Okay, next. Okay, who else do I hate? Okay, Kane. Okay, Kane Lim. I do got to give it up to my fellow Gaijin. I'm not going to yell at him, but I'm going to yell at this TV show because, and I, I swear to the other panelists, I will I will breathe at some point so you can jump in. But okay, <laughs> Kane Lim, this hoe. Okay, he's so clearly super gay. And, you know, and this isn't like Indian matchmaker when I was just accusing people of being gay, but they weren't out. Like, this guy's actually out, and he's very openly gay. And the whole show is about relationships, but the producers have decided to hide the fact that he's gay when he's so clearly openly gay. He doesn't hide it, producers. Like, this is 2021. Nobody cares that he's gay. Give him a relationship. Do something. Let him try to come on to Kevin because obviously that's why Kevin is even in his stupid ass life. Okay? And then, okay, finally, let's get to Kelly. Okay, this Kelly bitch with her relationship. Okay, Veronica, I need to hear your thoughts on this Kelly bitch and her destructive ass relationship with this Andrew Gray hoe. Okay, I can't can't even. You know who he is? Who? He's a Power Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Power Ranger. That's who uh, she's in love with. I would pick, I would pick, um, I don't even know their names. I just know he's the hot shirtless Asian. Kevin, he's that's shirtless. Kevin. He's shirtless in every scene. I And yes, you're right. I don't know why his parents adopted him. They're from Wisconsin. And I'm like, you're not going to learn anything there. But you know what's funny is this 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 um, series has some some noteworthy lines because I actually took down my favorite lines. I swear to God, within the first five minutes, the first line that I'm going to live by is that uh, the Asians here uh, are wealthy, and that to me is happiness because then I always have friends that are there for me. I'm like, well, I'd be there for you too, bitch. If if you're that rich, I'm not leaving your side. I will sleep in your bed with you. That that Anna, I think, is the richest one. Am I not right? She's like, what? I I think because her bloodline is from a Russian oligarch, and there's there's not there aren't many richer than the the Russian oligarchs. Yeah, no, she's never lived a normal life. Maybe they're in selling weapons. Yes, oh yeah, right. there you go. That's Weapons. Right. That's right. Is, like honestly, like she's the only one I kind of semi liked because she hates the rest of them clearly. Yes. Yes. And I was like, well, at least we agree on that. And also, I think she could like snap her fingers and have them all murdered, which I would love. <laughs> yeah. Well, in one scene, she's literally like she's tearing apart a wall, and I'm thinking, okay, you have enough money that just at a whim, I'm just I don't like this wall. I'm tearing it down. Chanel is coming to her house like this. She's beyond a rich that I don't even recognize. I don't even recognize her face if we're talking about not recognizing anything. She's like the walking crypt. How old is she? She's she's so old. She's her, pretty her face, old. How yeah. old? Her face is is uh, not. Hey, I don't know. money can well, buy everything. Clearly, she's the one with real breasts. <laughs> is she? I think so. Oh, yeah, that's right, because we saw them. We saw them, I think, in the first episode. Yeah. I didn't get that. Yeah, we saw some 70-year-old breasts. <laughs> they weren't bad, I have to say. She must have been wearing a bra all the time. This is a very no, I'm, like, I'm way pretty, off track. I'm pretty, even if they're not fake breasts, they've been nipped and tucked or something. Yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> come on now, everything sags at 70. Yes. 
but that Kelly girl, she, she, yes. So the Power Ranger, I don't know his name. Um, Andrew. Yes, is very, he's got some mood swings. Oh my God. That, that's what we'll call them. He's very insecure. She does, he doesn't like when she goes outside. <laughs> and so she's like, yes, but there's another side to him. I'm like, what side? Like, we know what you're, what side you're talking about. It's not a side, which half it's the bottom half. Just say it. That's what we know. <laughs> Uh, and I can uh, relate, Kelly. I can relate to that. So, I don't know. This show, I actually resented when you said, this is what we're going to review. Because I saw that come up on my Netflix. And I was like, I don't <laughs> want to watch this. I Everything about it that's flashing before me in a trailer, I just hate. And no. then Vaughn was like, we're going to review this series. And I thought, oh, fuck my life. <laughs> Let me feel watch even one more episode. Depressed. I was like, I'll give it one episode. I think you said you have to watch three. I was like, no, no. I, no I, I said before, I'm old. I don't have that much time in that. I don't have this. No goddamn way. No, 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 no. I, I hate all these people. They suck. Well, I I did make it through the whole series. Oh, and what? They tried to redeem them at the end, but they're just irredeemable they went on this quest to find because you know obviously kevin like hates himself because you know his adoptive parents taught him nothing about being asian so he went on a quest to find his birth parents all this stupid shit and kim as well had like dj kim had some weird thing about her dad and that whole quest but even the quest was so annoying that it still made me hate them like how can you make me hate somebody who's trying to find out about their heritage but they did because these people are just irredeemable redeemable like give me one quality like oh i have one what well well they're 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 asian i guess yes no (laughs) there was a very very like philanthropic why can't i say that word yes she's very charitable is what's the one's name who had the son after all those 10 years of trying christine christine is that at her party she basically sponsored an orphan for each guest yeah instead of of giving them a paperweight oh so generous but the thing is it's like she had to mention it to everybody it's definitely performative like it's just not like if she wanted to help orphans also act as paperweights exactly exactly (laughs) yeah she compared them to paperweights Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't give any of them any type of credit for anything. I hate them all, except for maybe the Gaijin, and that's I don't know. Maybe I don't I will say I don't understand these types of shows. I've never watched it before. I never watch Housewives. I don't watch, you know, the Kardashians. I don't know if those shows have more redeeming characters or even even if I don't like them, it has to be like fun to hate them. But these weren't like fun to hate. It's just no, I just hate you. Like I just yeah. like just no, no, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. How is this like the number two trending show on Netflix? How is this the representation of Asians? It's just oh. like we go from crazy rich Asians to a bling empire like i feel like we need another side of asians in you know and of course we have shang chi coming up but that's more kung fu asians <laughs> so i don't know if that's giving more nuance <laughs> to the situation I'm, I'm, oh but I'm, I'm writing a show right now uh it's it's gonna be uh i don't know where it's gonna be i think cbc gem and it's actually a show that's uh that was developed by like it was created by simu Liu, and it's a k-drama rom-com with time travel Oh. Oh. Wow. And it's all Asians. All Asians. What? Asian cast. Look at that. I'm sure who are more likable. (laughs) But Bong, you watched the whole thing. I mean, I I did. Episode two, at least. I will say that. And uh, (laughs) I feel like I'm hate watching it now. Like, that's what I'm doing. I'm just like, what else can I pick apart? It's just, I am really angry that I got pulled into this. <laughs> How many episodes did you watch? What's that? How many episodes did you watch? Two. I watched two. God. Oh my bad. god. No. Yeah. It gets worse. The hatred grows. Trust me. They get what you see in the first two episodes is nothing compared to like 
they okay I'll, I'll just talk about one of the dumbest storylines was like one of them found like a penis pump in the other one's shower and then they threw it out the window and then they started arguing about the penis pump and then I, they were like I was like why no why are you spinning and they talked about the penis pump for the rest of the season nobody cares about a fucking penis pump if you need a pump pump your penis I don't care I ain't gonna shame you I don't know why like no yeah, just, no you need to get a penis pump to google your doodle you do it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> ask Jeeves about it <laughs> okay well uh thank you for humoring me and and at least watching an, an episode or two because i i did feel the need anytime agents are trending like number two in the world i feel like okay we've got to give it a shot even though it looked like a train wreck and in some ways it's helpful because like i'm so over the top pro asian that i have yet to give a negative review in any of our reviews so this is like it's a positive thing. There, wow. There is a line, you know, <laughs> to be crossed where I no longer support you in spite of being Asian. And that line is not being an international drug lord. It's being on Bling Empire. <laughs> Sage, free Seiji Lop. I'm no, no, don't free him. Don't free him. I'm just <laughs> no, kidding about that. He's not a good man. He's a very, very bad man. <laughs> but he's better than these guys on Empire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't free him, but maybe give him his own TV show and give him an award for ingenuity. I, I do put put some respect in the man's name. <laughs> so, so I say thumbs down for this series. Oh, like, I just yeah. oh, season season two will be. Out at some point. Three <laughs> thumbs down. Three. Because I don't need a penis pump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, I uh, <laughs> I want to... Oh, we've got a Facebook comment from Jessica Mo, Moai. Mo, Moa. I'm not totally sure. Hi, Jessica. She says she hasn't watched Bling Empire. Um, highly recommend. Oh. You need to support the Asians. Um, yeah. But... Uh, uh, not the Asians. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jessica asks, have we watched Superstore on Netflix? Yes. No. That is... Um, that's a good series, I will say. Does that have Asians in it? And represent... There is a... Filipino on there, a gay Filipino Vong, you would like that. Oh, okay, okay. That might that might be added to the list when the next season comes out. We'll we'll review an episode or two. Thank you for the, the suggestion, Jessica. Um, I want to thank um, our. That's the end of our show. Uh, so I want to thank our panelists again, uh, Leonard Chan and Veronica Antipolo. I want to thank all the worldwide agents who are <laughs> listening um, to the live broadcast or who are listening to the pre-recorded podcast. You know, any way you want to consume us, we are here to be consumed for your pleasure. <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Fong Show, official spokesperson for gay, super cute Asians. This has been a Rice uh, Asian Comedy Podcast, and that's what's up. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.